Hey guys, what is up? Welcome to the Find Your Edge podcast. I'm your host, Michael. I'm a registered dietitian and sports nutritionist, and I'm talking with athletes and experts about the key actionable things you can do to improve your health and performance. So let's jump right in. What is up, y'all? Welcome back to the Find Your Edge podcast. This is your host, Michael. I'm joined with a very special guest today, Lee Pike from Larry's Coffee. You're the strategic sales manager, right? That's right. Yep. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Oh, I'm I'm so happy to be here. I'm excited to talk about Larry's Coffee and uh, and 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 be with you. Me as well. So my first exposure to Larry's Coffee. So I guess I should say that we just created a collaboration coffee with y'all which is part of what spurned this conversation. But my first exposure to Larry's was in grad school. We were doing, we were supposed to find something in the area, like part of the food system that was sustainable. And my partner and I were both avid coffee drinkers. And so we both, you know, I kind of heard about Larry's and, um, you know, I drank Larry's sometimes and had heard about the sustainability. So we kind of dug more into it and we just like happened to pop by y'all's roasting facility and, um, y'all were kind enough to give us a tour and talk to us all about it. So we were able to like do our entire project that afternoon. (laughs) What, um, what year was that? And what were you in school for? Uh, so it was while I was in grad school for nutrition. Um, and it would have been, oh man, probably 2016 maybe. Okay. Well, yeah, I was around, I've been with Larry's, uh, I was there for a, a short stint in 2014 um, and then moved to Indianapolis and then came back and, um, reached out to Larry and was like, um, can you, will you take me back? please?" I made a mistake. <laughs> I know. Um, and he, you know, he let me come back. So that was awesome. Um, and so I've been there since full time and, um, in, in, in this stint since 2015. So wow. I don't know, we could have, we could have crossed paths. Maybe. Yeah. It may have even been you that showed us around. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. That's so cool. So can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Have you always like just had this incredible passion for coffee or like, how did you find your way to Larry's to begin with? Yeah, well, I, um, I moved to Chicago after college with my best friend and, um, was just thrilled with the food and culture scene in Chicago. Um, so I just fell in love with, so many new like flavors and um, dishes and you know ethnicities um, and one of those things uh, was coffee so I worked in this old building it was called the Monadnock building and it was it was like burned down in the Chicago fire um, and there was an intelligentsia on the ground floor and then my office was um, above. And so, and this is when I was in my twenties, you know, I was broke. I was living in a big city. Like I couldn't afford a cappuccino, but some days, um, I mean, they, it just smelled so good every time I walked into my office building. So some days I'd be like, I'm not eating lunch. I'm getting a mocha or whatever. Um, and the baristas at intelligentsia were just so, um, you know, like they were like these like wise sage coffee people, you know, like had all of the information and you would talk to them while they were doing a pour over, which was, you know, that was before, you know, pour overs were like the norm. The hot thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so I just got a lot of information, um, from them and kind of fell in love with coffee. And then when I left Chicago, um, I, I kind of transitioned to Indianapolis. I, I was back and forth. This is a whole other podcast about my, <laughs> my, my travels, but, um, I was like, well, I'm going to try to get a, go- a job in coffee. And so, um, I reached out, there was an ad for, um, a job, a sales kind of retail job at a roaster in Indianapolis. And, um, so I started working there and I actually got trained as a barista, um, worked in the coffee shop. So got that experience, um, and then started doing like some marketing and sales for them too. So, um, I, you know, I was older than most people are when they start doing barista work, but I'm so glad that I had that experience because being able to make, you know, draw an espresso shot, make a cappuccino is like such a good skill to have Um, just personally. And if like, you know, the, you know, if there's a pandemic, people still want a cappuccino, right? People are still drinking coffee. So, um, so yeah, so that's kind of how I got my start. And then, um, you know, I grew up here and so was, was, was back. And, um, when I, when I moved back the first time, reached out to some friends and we were like, Hey, what coffee company should I reach out to about, you know, getting a job and multiple people were like, Larry's try, go get a job at Larry's. It's the best. And, you know, the, I looked, checked out the website. It was just super fun. The branding was so cool. Um, and, and so I reached out to Larry just like on LinkedIn, which is the only way I could find to contact him. And he replied and was like, yeah, come, come chat, come talk to me. So, um, so yeah, I started doing some part-time stuff and then moved back and forth and, and then finally landed again, um, at Larry's in 2015. That's, that's so cool. What it kind of like, you know, to just from word of mouth, find your way to, to Larry's. Yeah, you know, it's, I think a lot of people in the coffee industry have a, a non-traditional uh, career path. Yeah. Uh, and it's cool to see so many um, consumers and, you know, just regular people really get into coffee and kind of elevate the industry so that baristas and coffee professionals can have a really successful and lucrative career in it. I mean, like the barista champions are superstars, you know, and they're like documentaries on Netflix and stuff. So check it out. If you haven't seen that barista documentary, it's, it's fun to watch. Yeah. That's super cool. And plus I imagine like you having the, the experience across kind of like all the levels of this, this industry um, probably really help with your job now, you know, to really understand the demands of a barista, you know, and what they put the coffee through um, probably really helps. Yeah. I mean, I think in sales, it's, it's really good to have those stories so that, um, you can just have conversations with people and, and, and talk to people about how to pull an espresso shot or, um, how to, how to create a menu, your menu at your, at your new cafe or how to engage customers. Um, it's been really helpful. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's cool. So I do kind of want to back up a little bit before we get too much into like the application of coffee and Larry's. Um, and can you kind of talk a little bit more about the whole coffee process in case, you know, some of our listeners aren't as familiar with it. Cause I also won't pretend to know like everything about coffee, but I do like to think that I know some. <laughs> yeah. I, that's the, that's the cool thing that I'm talking about with like consumers getting into it. You know um, I think there's been a push across lots of 
food beverage chains to learn where your product comes from. And that's been especially true in coffee. Um, so I, when I was trained as a barista, um, you know, went through like coffee 101 and learned about the history of coffee. And then, and again, um, multi at multiple times at Larry's when we either, you know, had a new customer that was going through training or had new staff that needed, I jumped in just as like a refresher. Um, but you learn a lot about, you know, coffee is such a great vehicle for learning about other cultures and, um, the economy and agriculture. Um, you know, I, I got really into uh, points of origin and the cultures that uh, surround coffee farming. Um, and so I actually, um, I reached out, there's an organization called the International Women's Coffee Alliance. And I reached out to them. Um, actually, I was connected by a customer, I think, um, because she knew I was, you know, really excited about um, coffee farming and, and stuff. So she connected me and uh, I've been able to work with them. I was a volunteer for a while and uh, then I joined the board. And so I've been able to learn a lot specifically about women in the coffee industry and and most of our chapters are are producing countries um so coffee farming um you know exporting importing um but i learned this fun fact not long ago that that a coffee bean touches it's something like i think 15 you know hands like 15 middle people yeah in the the plant and the consumer. Wow. So think about somebody plants the coffee seed, you know, somebody nurtures that they pick it, they have to process it. So once, so a coffee, and this might be rudimentary, but it's so fun. I think. Yeah. Coffee bean is actually the seed inside of a fruit, um, kind of like a plum or kind of a sticky, like apricot. Um, and so when you pick the fruit, you have to remove the mucilage from the seed. Um, so there are all kinds of different ways that that processing can happen. You can use water and wash it off. You can let it dry in the sun. You can use chemicals. Um, but so that has to be removed. So it's processed and then it's exported to, uh, you know, a selling country. And then it, you know, that country has to import it, has to store it. And then it's um, received by a roaster. It's roasted, it's packaged, it's shipped or um, delivered to a cafe. And then the barista, you know, grinds it and brews it and then serves it. So, you know, it's just such a crazy supply chain. There's so many people involved. Um, and I think that's been, you know, I don't feel like I have like master level coffee knowledge. Um, I feel like I know enough to have cool conversations, but there's so much more to know. And I think that's what makes it so cool is because regular people can learn a lot and like brew at their own homes and, and experiment with it. And then people in the industry can learn more and, and start learning about cultures and agriculture and economies and then, you know, there's even more like that. I don't even, I can't even think of right now that just, um, it just is endless. The amount of knowledge, um, about this one little thing that, you know, we drink to wake up or to. Yeah. Yeah. It's such like, I think 
the time that I really realized that it was more complicated than I, than I thought was in undergrad. So I also studied nutrition in undergrad and in undergrad is really when I found a love for coffee. I think like a lot of people, you know, you need the caffeine yeah. in college. And so you yeah. kind of also realize that the taste is pretty good. But um, in one of my like food science classes, we had a lesson on like the, the roasting wheel of like all the different flavor compounds that you can create through roasting and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's just like this incredibly complex chart and there's like a million different flavors you can create. And I was just like, holy crap. Like I thought coffee was just like light roast, medium ro- roast, dark roast. And then yeah. they're all the same from there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, that's a whole other element, right? Like the, um, you know, people that cup coffees and the palate that they have to develop and the, the chemistry of the roasting process and the brewing process and like caffeine molecules. I mean, that's a whole, there's a whole other, I mean, I'm, I'm even less knowledgeable about that, but uh, it, it's just a whole world, a whole world of stuff, um, coffee. And yeah. it's, it's so fun because you can talk about all this stuff, but also like people use coffee to sit down and talk about anything, you know, you let's meet for coffee. Let's talk about life. Let's talk about work, whatever. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a really fun industry to, to be a part of. I think that's one of the cool things about coffee in in our society is to your point is it's like, it's also a social aspect. I mean, people use it as like their morning wake up or whatever, but I think for a lot of people, I, well, I shouldn't say that. I think for some people it's kind of like, you know, a morning meditative experience, you know, you get up and like prepare your coffee and stuff. And it's just like your chance to like take some time for yourself, I guess. Um, and you know, for, uh, I sh- for me, I wake up early and that that's what I do in the morning. It's like put, put my coffee together. And so for me, it's like a chance to kind of just like start my day. Like I've kind of got control over everything. Like I feel like I'm starting on the right foot. Um, and I would imagine it's the same way for a lot of people. So it's, you know, it, it serves a lot of purposes in our lives outside of just a warming beverage or, you know, caffeine. Yeah. I would hope that people would make it an experience like that. Um, uh, you know, being in, in the coffee industry, I, I have a lot of, um, you know, when I go on family vacation or go visit, a, a, when I used to go visit friends at their houses, yeah. um, you know, Hey, do you want a cup of coffee? But it's always like, I hope I did it right. Or, you know, Hey Lee, will you bring all the coffee for our family vacation? Um, and so I think people, really want to do it right and are excited about it. Um, and having somebody to ask questions like what, you know, how should I grind this? Or, um, you know, what, you know, what kind of coffee would complement this meal or, you know, um, it's been fun to kind of be considered, you know, somewhat of an expert by friends and family and, and be able to elevate their experience. Um, like you said, so, um, be more thoughtful about, you know, where you buy your, what coffee you buy and how you prepare it. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. It's like coffee really is like a a craft, you know, I mean, it's not just a simple light roast, dark roast, medium roast, whatever, you know, I mean, it it can be as simple as that. You know, you look at your big, big brands in, in coffee. Um, But I think there's like been this move lately And I mean, you could probably speak better to when it started, but I would say like really in the last like 10 years where like there's been this surge and like people having an interest in the brand and them being like socially environmentally responsible brands and 
creating good coffee and like really paying attention to every part of the process to create a good product. And I think we've seen it in a few other places too. Like clearly the craft beer industry is like, mm-hmm. I, I would say it's a very similar thing. It's, it's a craft where you can like really get into the weeds with it and create like a really incredible product. And I'm, I'm not really sure what's responsible for that, but I think it's been cool to see coffee go through that and, and have people really like putting a lot of attention on it. Yeah, I compare the coffee industry and the you know craft coffee and craft beer so similar. You're you're totally right about that. Um, you know, and it's funny because when we're cupping coffees, it's very similar to um, you know tasting wine. So you know this whole the whole landscape of beverage industry, um, there's so much cross pollination too, um, and you can make those comparisons, which is neat. And yeah, I think you know people like to hate on Starbucks, but I think that without them, there wouldn't be this awareness um, and kind of permeant, you know, perm, you know, it's everywhere. Coffee, craft coffee is everywhere. People yeah. you know, um, are excited about it. So I think that they get, a, we should give them credit for bringing it into our lives and elevating it a little. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, you know, people like to hate on like the big brands and like some of the stuff they're doing. But I think those large brands with lots of resources are like a good vessel for awareness and, and to bring it to the forefront of people's minds. Like you said, I mean, you know, they've made craft coffee, like a thing on people's radar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, what I've learned working with some of the IWCA chapters is, you know, they're, they're farming, not only specialty coffee, but, commodity coffee. And so I think there's this delicate balance between, you know, being uh, fun and exclusive and, and elevating a coffee experience, but also realizing that, um, you know, not to be too snobby or judgmental about coffee, like it's, it it should be accessible to everyone. Um, And I think if we get too much in one direction, you know, then that elevated coffee experience isn't accessible to everyone. So, um, I mean, one of the cool things about working for Larry's is that we have this, um, kind of motto about coffee for all coffee for everyone. Um, we roast, we have so many different blends, um, dark, light, medium, decafs, uh, micro lots, you know, across the board, because we want, everybody to find something that they like and taste preferences. You know, I think a lot of coffee people will be like, this is the best or, you know, kind of snobby judgmental about it, but you know, it's very subjective and it's very personal. So we just want people to enjoy what they're drinking and want to put milk or cream or sugar, whatever, you know, that's, that's your prerogative. And um, who are we to say how to, experience life. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's cool that you're kind of, that y'all as a brand have really embraced like everyone finding coffee in their own way. You know, it's not like they have to experience coffee just this one way. Yeah. I mean, we do have some, some coffee geeks at Larry's and they help us, um, balance out that (laughs) snobbery, um, with, you know, some pretty normal people that just, you know, our work in production or even some of our salespeople, like they, they were like, I don't like this super fancy fruity coffee. You know, I want yeah. a dark roast with cream in it. And so I think it's also cool that 
within the organization, we have that um, like diversity. a whole spectrum of coffee yeah. lovers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, coffee is a cool thing. I mean, I did kind of want to get into like some of the like health health benefits because I heard a statistic. I think this is true. Correct me if I'm wrong, but like coffee is the like number one most consumed beverage worldwide. Is that true? Uh-huh. Yeah. So, I mean, that's incredible that like of all the things out there that people have the option to drink that coffee is like the most popular. Um, but like outside of just being popular and being tasty, it's got health and athletic performance benefits. So coffee in its own right, not just as like a form of caffeine, because obviously caffeine has been heavily studied for athletes as, as a performance aid, but coffee on its own, like outside of just the caffeine part of it has been studied for athletic performance for a long time. And even back in the eighties, coffee was linked to uh, an increased metabolic rate in um, both like normal weight and obese individuals. And they even found that in those normal weight individuals, the increase in metabolic rate was as a result of an increase in fat oxidation. So basically like drinking coffee can like help you burn more fat, um, which from an athletic, especially an endurance perspective. So um, most of our listeners are endurance athletes largely. So that's like a, a huge strategy for endurance athletes is trying to figure out how to, you know, better optimize like our fuel usage and burn more fat for energy because we have a lot more fat stored than we do like carbohydrates. And then there, as far as like general health benefits, there've been other studies that have found that long-term coffee consumption. So like kind of being a lifetime coffee drinker can be linked to a decreased risk of type two diabetes and Parkinson's disease. And it can even be protective against dementia and Alzheimer's. And I joke with my wife a lot because like, I forget a lot of stuff. I have a terrible memory. And so we joke sometimes that like the reason I drink so much coffee is to try to help with that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Antioxidants. um, And I think, uh, you know, it was fun. I think part of the history of coffee um, is that people started drinking it as an alternative to like people would drink beer all day, you know? And um, so when coffee was introduced to uh, industrialized nations, um, I mean, that's, that's when the industrial revolution happened because productivity skyrocketed. I mean, imagine the difference in people drinking beer all day and people drinking coffee. Um, That makes total sense. Right. So I think there, there are just all these cultural, um, you know, points in time where coffee was part of it. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, a lot of athletes, I, and I don't know a lot about this, but maybe, you know, a little bit, the people have been using, um, coffee and grass fed butter and yeah, uh, like yeah. MCT oil and stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, you know, people are getting creative with the way that they use coffee. Um, I know that, um, some green coffee it has like massive antioxidants and is used in some energy drinks and performance yeah. enhancing stuff. So, um, so yeah, I think it, it kind of permeates that, that culture, um, athletic and, um, and nutrition and all of that too. Uh, so yeah, those, those stats are, are fascinating. I would like to know more about, I mean, you know, I, I don't, I don't drink a ton of coffee. I usually have one or two cups a day and, um, and feel like it keeps me, you know, productive and alert and stuff. So I would love to know more about the, the other benefits. Yeah. And I think one of the other really interesting things about the like 
I guess just how much of a staple in our lives it is, is like you talked about it with some of these other like health trends, you know, like the green coffee and energy drinks and stuff. But I think one of the other things that I've seen is you have a lot of these other health trends, like collagen protein has become like really popular. And so there's been like a huge move across like the whole like supplement collagen industry, uh, where there's been like collagen creamer and stuff like that. So it's just like, it shows how much of a staple in people's lives coffee is when like all these other things are trying to figure out ways that they can deliver their product through coffee. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, on the the flip side too, I mean, there are, you know, I, I mentioned the, the good things about Starbucks, but you know, there's also this, um, you know, we should bring awareness that if you're drinking specialty quality coffee, you shouldn't have to add a bunch of sugar, you know, the things that are not that great for you. Um, I mean, I, I still put a little dab of cream, even sometimes like whole cream into my coffee. Cause I just love that experience, but the massive amounts of sugar, the huge coffee drinks that have, you know, tons of calories. Um, you know, I just want people to be aware that that's, you know, it's again, I'm, I'm not judging Do yeah. live life how you want, but you know, just know that there are ways to have a coffee experience that don't have to involve that. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's, that's one of the things is it, it's kind of how the craft beer industry has gotten where it's like, there's such a wealth of knowledge and some people are so knowledgeable about it. And like, you get all these small, minute differences, like with beers, there's all the different styles of beer. And so if you're not super informed on it, it can be intimidating to break into. Like if you don't know what you like, it's intimidating to go try to figure out what you like. And so I think coffee can be the same way for people is like go to the coffee aisle of the grocery store and it's like overwhelming how many options you have. And so if you're not really like real big on coffee and you don't really know kind of like, maybe you don't even know if you like light, medium or dark roast, you know, then you don't even know where to start. You just kind of are looking at prices at that point. Um, and, and there's so many choices these days. It, it is. Yeah. And, and people are into different stuff. So coffee's not your thing. It's not your thing. Yeah. Um, but if, if you want to, I mean, there are baby steps you can take to just elevate your coffee experience a little bit. Yeah. And I think that's one of the cool things is that it sounds like you guys do a lot of work with is just showing people that like, it doesn't have to be crazy. It doesn't have to be intense. It doesn't have to be like you buy all this special equipment to spend an hour making a cup of coffee, um, you know, it can be as simple as just like trying a different roast and seeing how you like it. And I think that's the cool thing is just being informed, being like, you don't even have to be like super educated, but just kind of like dabbling in it and like dipping your toes in and being willing to try different stuff. Because like you said, maybe it, people put a ton of cream and sugar in their coffee because they've only ever had like this one type of coffee that they don't actually really like all that much. Mm -hmm. So if you kind of switch it up and, you buy like a nice craft coffee, I'll call it like Larry's. It's a smoother drinking coffee. It's lighter. It's got more flavor. So maybe you don't need those other things. Yeah. I mean, and I think about uh, cold brew a lot um, because it, the, the cold brew process um, draws out less of the acids from the coffee bean. So it's just by its nature, it's smoother and, you know, perceptively sweeter um, a lot of people that put cream and sugar in their hot co- in their hot coffee find that they don't need that. Um, and you know, we have like a cold brew concentrate. You can make hot coffee out of it, and it actually has you know, it tastes less acidic, but it also 
is less acidic. So people with stomach issues um, that are looking for a low acid alternative, um, that's actually um, a great option for people. So um, yeah, there are all kinds of fun things that people don't know. And um, I think, you know, my advice would be really to, if you are interested in even just a, elevating your experience a little, um, you know, just ask your, you know, call Larry's, email me, um, ask somebody, you know, just ask them a simple question and, and form a relationship with them. So then, um, you know, coffee people want to talk about it. They want to share their knowledge. Yeah. Um, so, you know, get somebody on the phone or via email and you'll have to do less work than you think that you might. Um, and I think a lot of like, um, specialty grocers, even whole foods and it's staff are also, um, you know, I worked at whole foods for a little while and was a coffee buyer. Um, I was excited to talk to customers about the coffees I would bring in. And, yeah. um, so, you know, just, just strike up a conversation with, um, somebody, you know, staff member at whole foods. I'm sure that if they can't talk to you about coffee, they will find somebody that can. Um, and you know, I think a lot of people, yeah, get intimidated, but a simple question might start you on a coffee journey that you never knew you would take. Yeah, definitely. Or, you know, I mean, to your point of just like being willing to ask somebody about it, you know, I mean, most people probably have a friend that's really into coffee. And so, you know, even asking them just for recommendations and like kind of point me in the right direction as, as a way to get started. Yeah. So we're kind of, I kind of got a whole list of questions because I started thinking of some more while we were sitting here talking. So okay. what, what factors can affect the taste of the coffee you brew? And that's kind of like a loaded question because it's going to be everything, but what are some of the big factors? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, this is, this is, I think if somebody reached out to me and was like, Hey, what do I do to elevate my coffee experience? Um, there are a few factors that really matter. Um, obviously the, the coffee bean, right? So you want it to be, um, uh, Arabica and specialty grade, which, um, so there are people that grade the taste of coffee, um, and specialty has to, you know, reach a certain point. That's why it's, it's actually a classification. It's called specialty. Um, so, you know, seek out some good coffee. I will say that if you reach out to a coffee roaster, um, I know we do this at Larry's, but I'm sure other, other places, you know, around the country do it too. Um, they'll send you samples, you know, so you don't have to spend whatever, 12, 13, 14, 15 bucks on a whole bag of coffee. You don't know if you're like, ask, ask for samples, ask for stickers, swag. You know, if, if you're excited about it and you reach out to a local roaster, I'm sure that they'll be willing to help you find something that you like. Yeah. Um, and then once you get it home and you find a bean that you like, the grind is super important. Um, and I, I know a lot of people get their coffee pre-ground, um, but it starts, the, the quality starts to deteriorate as soon as it's ground. Um, so if you can invest in a grinder at home, that would be like maybe my number one thing to elevate your coffee experience. Um, plus it, it just, it is, it's kind of a meditative, um, you know, it brings you into that world. You hear it, you smell it. Um, and then, you know, water temperature is really important. So having a good brewer or making sure that, you know, the water that you boil is certain, you know, temperature coming out. Uh, 
so yeah, all kinds of factors. And then, you know, the coffee geeks that Larry's would take you on a, a longer road, but those are the, those are the ones that are, I think, accessible, um, you know, finding a good bean, grinding it appropriately and right before you brew it and making sure you have a good brewer or the water temperature is right. Yeah. The grinding yourself is one that, you know, when I first kind of got interested in coffee, you know, you do a little bit of like internet research and that's the one you get a lot is like, and that you can turn into a whole thing too. But you know, one of the biggest recommendations from a lot of people is to grind yourself. And so I was like, Oh, kind of reluctant. And I bought a coffee grinder and I actually started with, it was a hand crank, like conical burr yeah. uh, coffee grinder. So it's, you know, terrible to do espresso with because you're going to be grinding for forever, but for like French press, like a coarser grind or even like a drip, like medium grind. Um, you know, it, it doesn't take that long to grind yourself and the coffee grinder, it's like a pretty nice one. I still have it to this day and it's, it's held up well, but I mean, it was maybe 30 bucks. Yeah. I mean, you can, again, those hand grinders, yeah. 20, 30 bucks. I mean, coffee equipment runs the gamut. Yeah. <laughs> Again, ask your roaster, ask um, somebody at a specialty market or a specialty like kitchen store. Um, you can find affordable grinders and brewers. I, there's, a, there's this funny story. Uh, one of the a roaster, um, head roaster at Larry's, he's not there anymore, but he was there for a really long time. He actually had a Mr. Coffee pot at his house that you know he used for his daily brewing, but he could tweak all the other elements. So like the grind and the, and the, um, the roast and the time, all of that, he tweaked it so that, you know, even though the water temperature wasn't exactly right, um, or the best, you know, he made himself what he thought was a great cup of coffee out of the cheap coffee brewer. So, um, once you start to delve into like the relationship between all those elements, um, you know, you can, you can again, invest in some pretty affordable stuff and, uh, and learn how to make a good cup of coffee. Yeah. And I mean, even if like, this is something that you're willing to invest, you know, a little bit more money in, but you know, not in insane amounts of money, because even as someone that is pretty interested in coffee and has a lot of, I would say coffee paraphernalia, I mean, between my wife and I, which really I brought most of that stuff when we met, we have like, 10 different ways to brew coffee. Like you didn't even know there were so many ways to brew coffee, yeah. but uh, even as someone that's like pretty into it, it can be intimidating at times. Like when we were looking for a new coffee grinder and it's like, they're hundreds of dollars for a good one. And it's like, Oh, this is so much. I don't know. I know. But, but you don't have to spend that much. I mean, like we have a, I think it's like a Cuisinart like coffee grinder and we've had it for years and it's still running really well. So it's like, if you, have the means it is a little bit of an investment but a lot of this equipment lasts for years and years and years mm-hmm. yeah so it's it's not quite as bad as it seems you know it's not like you're buying a hundred dollar coffee grinder every year no i mean it, let me tell you uh, espresso machines you know again you can get a home one that's pretty affordable um but there are like cadillac espresso machines that coffee people go nuts for and they are as much as a car i mean yeah. they're you know people 
will invest that much and can, but yeah, it doesn't take, it doesn't, you don't have to be a millionaire to make a good cup of coffee. Yeah. It is funny too, though, when you start to think about all of those people that do spend in insane amounts of money on all the coffee stuff, because it's always funny. Like when people talk about budgeting or saving money, one of their first recommendations is make coffee at home. But I feel like that <laughs> negates it when you spend thousands of dollars on an espresso yeah. machine. Yeah. But, uh, so kind of as a follow-up to that, um, we kind of, you said, you know, grinding the coffee at home, kind of controlling the water temperature. What other things can people do to improve like that taste of their coffee and their coffee experience? I mean, I think this, and as you know, a nutrition person, you'll hopefully agree. Um, I think this applies to your experience tasting anything, but if you, you know, just take some time to like you do in the morning, you know, take some time with it. Um, you know, you can read a paper or look through your news app on your phone or whatever, but you know, just take a minute to actually experience the taste of it. I think with food and with beverage, anything you put in your mouth that that experience can be elevated by just being present for it. Um, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a big yoga person. And so I think I'm, I'm speaking um, from my perspective, but um, there are little things you can do throughout your day that really, especially in this world where it's just, there's, there's so much negativity and there's so much bad yeah. stuff going on and, and, and just information being thrown at us and you have to be reactive. Um, just taking a minute, um, to, to be present and to experience what's going on. Um, and I think that's the beauty of coffee is you can do that by yourself early in the morning before your run. You can do that midday with a friend and even on zoom, like I've had some coffee dates on zoom where I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to intentionally make a cup of coffee and froth my milk and put a little honey in it. And, um, and, and then just sit down and have a, a lunch or after lunch chat with a friend that I haven't talked to in a while. Um, so, you know, adding that intentionality and presence to the coffee experience, um, I think is really important. Yeah, I really like that. And especially from the nutrition perspective as well, that's one of the things that we really talk with athletes about, or not athletes, just clients in general about it's just being more mindful and like aware and being in the moment. And I mean, that applies to your food, but it applies to the coffee too. I mean, if you actually stop and just think about the taste, like think about the taste, the temperature, how it hits your mouth and everything, like you have an entirely different experience with it. And I think you'll find that you enjoy it more just because you're thinking about it. Whereas if your morning routine around coffee just involves throwing in your travel mug and drinking it while you're panicking in traffic, like it tends to not be like, I mean, you just don't put a lot of thought into it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, when I started in the coffee industry, I mean, I didn't have, I mean, I had somewhat of a palate. I was able to experience, you know, like I said, all that different and amazing food in Chicago. Um, but I didn't have a palate for coffee and it was intimidating, but the best thing that, that I could do is, I mean, there was a little bit of fake it till you make it, you know, and I would just be in cuppings like, yeah, that tastes like Oak. I don't know. You know, somebody but, else like says what they taste. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. me too. <laughs> um, but but being, like you said, mindful, perfect word that didn't come to me Yeah, Mindful is the perfect word and just being present and experiencing it. That's what's going to help you, um, refine your palate. And that's, what's going to help you notice what is 
what your body needs and what your body likes and what your preferences are. Um, we're, we're just so distracted by all the noise in the world. Um, so just take a minute and, and really experience. Um, I think that's, yeah, it, it, it's helpful for so many things. Yeah, definitely. And I think for some people, you know, coffee is not like a priority or whatever, you know, it's just, just a part of their day that that's there as like a side fixture or whatever. And I think that's fine. But I think this is like one of those things that if this is something that you kind of want to put more thought into and be kind of more aware of, I think that's a really good place to start. Like you said, the mindfulness piece, because for me, you know, I mean, a lot of stuff happens in the mornings, you know, the dog's got to get taken out and breakfast has to get cooked or, you know, we're walking the dog or dishes have to be done. Like there's all this kind of stuff that happens, but like I always start my day with at least a few sips of my coffee, kind of like uninterrupted. Like I just put a lot of my like mindfulness and awareness into that. Um, and it's just a good way to start the day for me. I found that that's like a really good peaceful way to start my days. Yeah, I, I agree. And if, if coffee's not your thing, you can find that mindfulness with, with lots of things. So I've gotten into tea a lot, um, during the pandemic. Um, it's very, you know, it's very close to coffee, but, um, tea or just eating lunch, breakfast, dinner, just taking a moment to really taste the flavors. Um, whatever it is, if it's not coffee, you can find something to be mindful about. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, we kind of talked about this a little bit, uh, before we hopped on, but what makes Larry's different from other coffee roasters? I mean, I think part of that's kind of the, the roasting facility, but what else outside of that makes Larry's really, you know, unique? Yeah. I mean, so I mentioned the accessibility element, right. And, and this is what I love about um, working for Larry's is uh, our kind of openness to everybody's taste preferences. Um, but you're right. The facility. I mean, I remember when I, I, went there for the first time. And I, I grew up in Raleigh and never realized that Larry's was back, you know, in that kind of warehouse district <laughs> for five points, um, which now has like Nickel Point, Noose River. Yeah. And um, fun, it's a fun little developing neighborhood. Um, well, it was so funny to me because when we went there for the the project, we were driving back there. I was like, my my aunt and uncle live like a mile from here. This is so <laughs> weird. I didn't even know this was back here. I know, I know. Um, so, and it's on like, I think it's like the last gravel road in Raleigh city limits. Um, so, you know, it's just this very unique location. Um, you know, Larry, when he started was roasting in a third floor walk up on Morgan street. And can you imagine like he would get shipments of coffee, you know, the green coffee in the burlap bags and have to lug them up three flights of stairs. Um, so he moved to the Gavin Street location. I think it was 2001, um, but it's been there. You know, it's been there for, Larry's been around for 26 years and been at Gavin Street for since 2001. Um, and he just, he bought a warehouse um, and started, because coffee, you know, coffee again is this vehicle, right? For all these other um, things started to, investigate fair trade and how farmers were being treated in those cultures, but also, you know, as a business owner, how can I, uh, put less, you know, create less impact for my community and for the world and the environment. And so again, back, back then it wasn't 
you know, there wasn't lead certification and uh, people didn't really um, have protocols for how to upfit a warehouse um, for sustainability. So he, um, you know, partnered with contractors and designers and um, really like ragtag group of people to um, create some sustainable um, functionality in the warehouse. And those things are still, you know, still being used today. And then he's added some other things. So we, um, you know, if you, if you come take a tour like you did in grad school, you'll learn all these things and you'll get to see, and it's really interesting. So um, if anybody's interested in that, feel free to, you know, reach out to me or Larry's. Um, we'll take you on a tour. You can see that we have um, created a clear story. So that means like new windows at the top of the warehouse so that light can come in. So you don't have to use as much electricity. And then there are um, reflective coating on the floors. So that light then, um, you know, exponentially expands throughout the warehouse because it's coming in and then reflecting off the floors. Um, so we really don't use that much you know, electric light, unless somebody's like working at night, which, you know, doesn't happen a lot. Um, and then we have, now we have rain cisterns. So we, we harvest rainwater. We use that to flush the toilets. Um, we have beehives. So we have an organic garden and the bees, you know, help pollinate that. Um, they're just, I mean, infinite number of things that, that uh, you can see at the warehouse that um, contribute to sustainability. Um, one fun project for Larry was when he bought an old school bus and uh, rigged it to run on veggie oil. Um, so he would get, you know, old oil from restaurant partners and, and that's how we made deliveries for a long time. Um, that bus is um, no longer in service. It's retired, uh, but it, you can see it at the facility. We still have it. Um, and now we have, we just have a biodiesel van that we do deliveries. Um, we partnered with Piedmont Biofuels kind of during that process of upfitting the veggie bus um, and have uh, biodiesel, a biodiesel pump at the facility, which is the only one in the triangle. Um, so people that have biodiesel vehicles can, I mean, they, they come by a lot and use their little card and, and fill up. Um, but, you know, Larry, I think the coffee journey and Larry's journey and then other people, you know, my journey, um, it's always evolving. So it's not, it's not just about roasting and selling coffee. It's about, you know, how to make the world better and how to make coffee more accessible and how to treat coffee farmers better. Um, yeah. So, you know, it kind of, there are endless conversations about, um, about all kinds of things going on at Larry's. Yeah, I think that was the thing that really struck me like when we came and visited the facility was that it seemed like Larry's as as an entire company, like all the piece, pieces and parts involved were looking at how as an operation they could make sure that everyone was having a good experience and treated fairly out of it. So all the way from the coffee farmers to, you know, the shipping process to processing those beans and roasting them and everything and then the distribution the consumer like everyone was having a good experience yeah i mean it, and we've had again we've had some some hits and misses we really have wanted to get a compostable um, packaging option 
Um, and we, we tried at one point and we had a, a bio bag and the, um, the supplier made all these claims about, you know, the, the compostability of it. And uh, we tested it and it turns out that their claims were false. So um, we've been searching for alternative options um, because yeah, we want every part of that um, coffee supply chain to, to, it, you know, at least not be detrimental, but, you know, at best benefit um, yeah. the communities that, you know, they serve. Yeah. I think that's so cool uh, because it, I think it really shows just, you know, how much as again, as a whole, the company cares about the community that they're a part of, whether that's, you know, the Raleigh community and not having like a big impact there from, you know, an environmental perspective, but also the coffee community and, and having a really positive impact there. Yeah. And if anybody is listening outside of the kind of triangle area, um, we're part of a cooperative of roasters that are very similar to us. It's called Co-op Coffees. Um, and so they're all across the United States and into Canada. So you can find a roaster probably near you that is doing similar things to Larry's. And um, they, they, you know, we source all our coffees through Co-op Coffees and it's all fair trade. Um, there is a paper trail you can see um, online uh, that traces back to the coffee farms. So it's very transparent. Um, and you know, those, it's been really fun again, working with the international women's coffee Alliance and co-op coffees, because it's just this global network of coffee people that are trying to, um, not only elevate the consumer coffee experience, but elevate the um, supply chain, the communities in that, um, in that supply chain. Yeah, and I think that's one of the other, I mean, to that point, I think that's one of the other really positive things that has come about as a result of this, like, I don't know if it's a renewed interest, but this big interest in coffee and having craft coffee is, it's really been viewed as like a, a very serious craft that, I mean, some people take it very seriously on the production side, you know, like roasting a good product. Like there's people that are very knowledgeable and take it very seriously. And so I think, you know, consumers are starting to see that and see that like coffee roasting is like a very real thing. Like being involved in the coffee industry is like a real job, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and, and seeing that it's, it's a very serious thing. And so people take it more seriously, which I think really helps um, the industry as a whole for it to be viewed in like a very serious light and not just like, Oh, you're just like a more expensive Starbucks or whatever. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think, you know, I try to see positive stuff coming out of some negative things going on in the world. I think that we've seen the importance of the service industry and how much it adds to our lives. Um, without it, you know, it's, it's just, it's sad. It's sad to not be able to go out to a restaurant or, um, you know, interact with your barista as much. And so I think that that's, you know, the, the craft trends uh, started that. And then during the pandemic, I think it's, you know, again, then um, how important is coffee? Again, people found a way to, um, I mean, there was an uptick. I have a, a board member on the IWCA works at Bun, so they do coffee equipment. She said the increase in home, you know, brewing equipment when the pandemic hit was like through the roof. Um, 
so people find a way to, to have that, to have that experience, to have coffee. And um, I think people are the renewed interest um, and respect for the coffee industry um, is, is, you know, happening because of the pandemic as well. Yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, I, I made a joke earlier about how, you know, if you decide to make coffee at home, it can quickly become more expensive than buying it out. But I think that's one of those things where, you know, it can be a hobby, you know, like coffee and brewing coffee and stuff can, can be a hobby and, you know, you can have it at home and it doesn't have to be this thing where you're cutting expenses and it's like a stingy thing or like, it's an unpleasant thing because you can't have coffee out. Like I think you can have a very pleasant experience at home. And I mean, I think that's just because you brew coffee at home doesn't mean you can't also treat yourself and have it out sometimes. Yeah, definitely. And just having that variety is part of the the beauty of it. Yeah. And then like, once you have all this knowledge and you've got the equipment, like if for some reason you can't get coffee out, you're still able to have it, have good coffee at home. You know, you're not like having to just settle for, or something not so pleasant. Yeah. I mean, my mom during the pandemic, she, I got her a milk frother and a bag of espresso from Larry's and she started making her own cappuccinos, you know, and, and, uh, she just, she loved to go to, you know, whatever 42 and Lawrence or third place or, um, various place competitors around town, I'll name them. Um, you know, just to have that cappuccino experience. And she, um, she learned how to do that herself during the pandemic. So yeah, um, yeah it's, it can become a, a very addictive hobby. Yeah, definitely. Like it's one of those things where the more you learn about it, the more questions you have. And like the more you like kind of dip your toe in, there's like more stuff you want to get into. Um, so it is definitely a slippery slope into it becoming just like a, a full hobby. Um, yeah. But I mean, just know that like it, it could be um, a less productive hobby. I mean, you're supporting coffee farmers are just some of the hardest working, most genuine, lovely people that I've encountered. And, um, you know, you're supporting them and their communities. Like a lot of these coffee farming communities, uh, you know, they survive because we're drinking coffee. So, um, so it's meaningful. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, my wife and I have, this massive coffee cup collection. Like that's kind of like our thing when we go places, when we go to state parks or when we go to cities, we always buy a coffee mug. So we have probably a hundred coffee mugs. Like there's an entire giant cabinet in our, in our kitchen. That's coffee mugs. Like that's just our thing. And we always joke about how it's like gotten excessive, but at the same time, there's way worse things we could be spending our money on than coffee and coffee brewing methods and coffee paraphernalia. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I do kind of have just like a few, questions about like coffee related things and I'm going to ask them because some of them are personal questions that I have and some of them might be questions other people have. So this is a chance for everyone to ask their questions in a non-judgmental <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> setting. So one of the things you see kind of as you go to some of like the fancier coffee shops and stuff, like the boutiques, I'll call it, are like single origin coffees. So what does that mean? Like what is, you know, like if I, Jubala coffee is a good example. Um, they list like on their menu, single origin espresso. What does that mean as a consumer? Yeah, it's a great question. So if a coffee bag or something on the menu says single origin, it means that that bean, that bag of beans comes from one place, uh, one farm. So um, it could be Ethiopia, 
Yergachev. Um, so that's, you know, the read, the country, the region. Um, and most of the time people are brewing blends of coffee. So that would be multiple single origins roasted together. Um, and roasters do that to make a balanced cup of coffee, but a single origin is going to give you the flavor notes that are indigenous to that specific region. Um, so that's where you'll get interesting flavors like African coffees are typically, um, fruity, uh, like bright. Um, they're, they're very, I don't know. Interesting is the best word. Interesting for regular coffee drinkers. You're going to taste it and you're going to be like, this tastes sour maybe. Um, it doesn't mix well with milk a lot of the time. So that's why roasters do, um, specifically espresso blends. So I'm going to give you a, a quick lesson on espresso too, because people get this confused. If you see a bag of coffee that says espresso blend, that's just a blend of coffee that is specifically formulated to brew through an espresso machine. But you can brew anything through an espresso machine. So when you see a, a single origin espresso, that means they're using a single origin bean and putting it through an espresso machine, which still makes it espresso. If it goes through an espresso machine and that's how it's brewed, that's an espresso shot. Um, a lot of coffee, you know, coffee geeks, people that are into coffee like to brew a single origin espresso because they get those, those indigenous flavor notes and they can really taste what that bean is like versus just a balanced espresso shot that then you'll mix with steamed milk or whatever. Um, so the single origin is kind of more like specialized. You're just getting like, it's much more individualized, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Um, when we're creating like a custom blend for a customer, like we did with you guys, um, we'll, we'll have the customer come in and taste a few single origins, see what elements of those they like, and then we'll put them together to make, you know, the endurance edge blend or, um, you know, a custom blend. Um, and then all of our blends are formulated just for different taste preferences and, um, you know, like, like espresso so that it, it does well, it, it stands up to milk very well and it is not too acidic and it's not too, um, bold. It's just that perfect balance for an espresso drink. Yeah. So, you know, you kind of talked about a few of the different brewing methods, but what are a couple of your favorite brewing methods? Like just personally, yeah, gosh, there's so many. Um, but I personally, I love espresso. Um, you know, it's, it's a two to one ratio of water to coffee. So obviously it's, it's very, um, concentrated flavor. Uh, and then I like all kinds of espresso drinks, um, just because I like messing with flavors and putting, um, you know, lavender or, even like, um, there are like coffee sodas. You can, it, it, you know, just all kinds of mixtures of flavors that you wouldn't think taste good, you know, yeah. end up being great. Um, one of my favorite coffee drinks was from a cafe in Chicago. Um, and you know, the winters were brutal. Um, but there it was, a um, it was a cappuccino made with coconut milk and cayenne pepper. Wow. And so it was just so soothing and warming. Um, and you know, just fire me up inside and it was so comforting. Um, 
So, you know, just messing with flavors like that. But the way I brew at home is um, I often French press uh, because I, I do like that kind of mindful experience. And I, so I wait for the coffee to, or wait for the water to boil, um, grind my coffee, um, and then have to wait four minutes for it to brew. Um, but it makes it so that I can do small batches and experiment and have a different flavor every day. Yeah. Um, you know, and I also have just a, I have like a coffee, a ninja coffee brewer that has like a frother and you can do cold brew. It's like this multifunctional um, brewer. I have that at home too, because when we have company, when we did have company, yeah. um, and again you know, in the future, <laughs> I wasn't like, I was like, I'm not going to make eight French presses this morning, yeah. you know? So um, it's just nice to have on hand for bigger batches or my husband loves cold brew. So I'll, I'll do cold brew for him a lot. Um, and I will say that those single origins are really fun if you like cold brew and cold brew is such an easy process. You can just put a, put a coffee grinds in a Mason jar, let it sit overnight in cold water and then filter it out. And there you go. You have cold brew. It's, yeah. um, and, and super fun to experience experiment with those single origins because that those indigenous flavors come through there too, but they're often less abrasive than they are with a hot cup of coffee. Yeah. And the cold brew is actually really cool. That's like one of the things that we talk with a lot of athletes about, especially through the summer when it's so hot. Uh, a lot of people, like a lot of our athletes really enjoy coffee and they also really don't like the heat in the summer. And so they're running early in the morning trying to avoid the heat. But one of the things people don't think about is if you're drinking a hot cup of coffee before you go run in the heat, you're just elevating your core temperature a little bit, making it that much harder to stay cool. And so one of the things strategies we talk to people about is switching to cold brew for their morning cup of coffee before they go run to just like already start by trying to cool your and bring that core body temperature down before you head out. And so, yeah. I mean, you can mix and match. I mean, you can buy cans of cold brew. You can make your own cold brew. And then when you get home, you can have a warm cup of coffee. Yeah. I mean, it, it again, the cold brew is very versatile and people don't realize, I mean, I keep a, a bottle of concentrate. I, I will either make it or just grab one from Larry's and use it for smoothies or cocktails. Um, I, there's a great smoothie with like cold brew concentrate, bananas, protein powder, oat milk. Um, delicious. You can put peanut butter in there if you want some more protein. Um, you know, it's, it's very versatile. Um, and I can share those recipes with you. I'll send them to you. Yeah, try some. definitely. And that's one of the cool things is like, it's a good grab and go. Like maybe like espresso is fairly quick as well. And so like in, in our house, we use that as like a quick grab and go. If we want like a little coffee to go, or we want just like a little bump of caffeine real quick. Um, we use that, but sometimes we keep cold brew in the fridge because it's the same thing. You can just kind of grab and go. And so most of the time I will say that is like Larry's, like the can, the nitro cold brew we really like, but I got to admit, sometimes there's this coffee from New Jersey. My wife's family is from New Jersey. And so there's this coffee shop there that like you can buy their cold brew and get it shipped. And so sometimes we get that, but most Ooh, of the time. I would love, I love to try new things competitors are doing. Yeah. So, so that's actually Rook coffee in New Jersey and they have, they're cool because they have, and this is, again, this is just how versatile coffee is. But like right now they have a pumpkin style cold brew where it's just kind of like hints of pumpkin, like spice kind of flavoring. Mm -hmm. But they also have like a mocha style cold brew where it's just like a light hint of like a mocha flavor in your cold brew. Um, and so it's cool. That sounds cool. I will say, and this is um, 
not a lot of people know this, but stay tuned to Larry's because um, we might have some similar cold brew flavors coming shortly. So I will keep you posted. I got to admit one of, so a little background. I'll have you talk about this. 42nd for any of the triangle peeps. What's 42nd and Lawrence? That's, is that like Larry's coffee shop? It is. Um, it, so Larry had a coffee shop in Cary back in the day. Um, he ran it with his mom, uh, and then finally sold it to her and focused on roasting, but wanted to, uh, find a way to like showcase the, the elevated specialty coffee element of Larry's. Cause I think people know, knew us for being fun and accessible, but not so much on that higher end specialty coffee. So he opened 42 and Lawrence, um, to be like a coffee lab and to showcase the experimental stuff that we were doing. Um, and you know, there was some, there was some playing around with the branding of it. And I think a lot of people didn't realize it was connected, but yeah, it is, it is Larry's coffee shop. And rec more recently we've done some branding stuff. So it's more apparent if you go by now, um, it's, it's very apparent that it's, yeah. um, you know, related to Larry's. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, they do, they have some really cool equipment in there. Um, they have a, a mod bar, which is, an espresso system where all of the functionality is under the counter. So there's not a huge espresso machine blocking the barista and the customer. And, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of coffee shops and baristas are doing this because there was that like snobby judgmental block between yeah. the barista and the customer. And, um, and so we, we did the mod bar because we wanted there to be that interaction, that back and forth and people, we wanted people to feel free to ask questions and, um, you go in there, you can sample anything. So there's, they've got all kinds of cold brew on tap, um, lots of local products. They're doing like quiches and pastries and stuff now. Um, and those are all locally sourced, um, and delicious. Yeah. Uh, and then they do, yeah, specialty drinks and pour overs and, and just regular coffee and espresso as well. Um, so we didn't realize, like my wife and I didn't realize there was the link there until, gosh, it may have been two years ago now that we finally kind of figured it out. We went down there and checked it out. And that is where we found like our favorite like specialty coffee drink we've ever had. It was the Lumberjack. Oh, and yeah. It's, yeah. So it's like maple syrup, cinnamon. I think what else was in there? There was something else, but it was, so we'll make it with either cold brew that we buy or we'll make it with like espresso and make like iced lumberjacks and stuff. And it's just yeah. like, it's, that's, I think one of the cool things is you can go somewhere and just like get a specialty coffee drink and then you can make that at home. Like if you have a coffee brewing method, like it, it's like a simple thing that somebody else had to think of, you know, is maple syrup and cinnamon and like milk and it's just delicious, but you can make it at home too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was, uh, a brainchild of, a, a a guy who now lives in Portland, Maine and works for, um, a company called coffee by design, but he had such great ideas. And I think, you know, uh, Tim who runs 42 now also is like super curious about, um, flavor matches and experimenting. So, um, there's always something new, but you can also, and this is the best thing about coffee shops. And I think when people are doing it well, they remember that some 
consumers really like that habit of I'm going to come in, I'm going to consistently get the same thing and it's going to taste the same. So we have those things. And then you have the consumer who like, I want to try something new, give me something really unique and different. Um, and so, you know, you can get either one of those things at 42. Yeah. And I think that's the cool thing. And we talk to our clients a lot about that from a nutrition perspective is like, you can go out to eat to kind of get inspiration for your own cooking. And I think coffee can be the same way. Like you can go to coffee shops and I mean, if, if you solely want to buy coffee out, that's fantastic. And you want to support the economy and stuff. But if you also want to try making stuff at home and have coffee be kind of like your own little joy and passion and hobby or whatever, like you can go other places for inspiration and then try and make those things at home. And I think that's like, one of the really cool things about it is you, you can experience it in many different ways and, and you can enjoy it in whatever way suits you best. Yeah. Totally. So one of the cool things about Larry's too, is just all the different roasts y'all have. Um, I think there's, like you said at the very beginning, like there's a little bit of something for anybody. So what's your favorite Larry's roast outside of the athletes brew? Obviously, obviously, obviously. <laughs> um, no, I mean, the athletes brew was really fun because, you know, y'all came in and, and cupped and we created that. So it's super unique. And, um, uh, I really like, we have a blend called Costa Little Ricky and it's a light blend. Um, but it's very drinkable. So a lot of light roasts, most single origins you find are going to be light roast because it doesn't, um, the flavor, you don't want to mask the flavor with just the flavor of roast, which is what you get when you have like a French roast. That's basically you're tasting char of, yeah. you know, like the, the roasted coffee bean. Um, and it masks a lot of that, you know, indigenous flavor. Um, but Costa Lurki is a light blend. Um, and it, so it's, it's just perfectly balanced and it's very drinkable. Um, I love it. You know, it's great in the morning cause it's not, it's not too bold. Uh, it's not too fruity or acidic or interesting. Um, but it's also great like throughout the day because it's, it's not too much. It's not overwhelming. Um, it's bright. It's, it's got some character, but it's very well balanced. It's my go-to. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I drink all of it and there's some that I prefer more than others, but you know, as you're, as your palate uh, gets more well-defined, you know, you realize that different seasons and different times of day, you know, different things are your preference. Yeah. And I think that's the cool thing too, is like, again, Larry's like, I always know that I'm going to get a good coffee that I enjoy, but I can, and that's, I think that's the thing is like, for me personally, knowing that I can pick up any bag of coffee from Larry's and enjoy it is good because it takes away some of the intimidation of like, Oh, I don't want to spend this much money and not like it. Like I know I'm always going to like something from Larry's, but it's within that being able to experiment and find things that I enjoy even more. So like, again, like you said, Costa little Ricky is, is one that we really enjoy. The cowboy blend is also really good. So both of those we enjoy. And also we tried for a long time and we want to get back to it, but we switched to like a half calf. Cause then I can drink more coffee in the day and not overdo it on caffeine yeah. <laughs> and like hands down the best half calf blend we have ever had was a Larry's and I can't remember which yeah. one it was, but it was I amazing. Mean, 
we only have one half calf. Um, and I'm just so, I, I love it that we offer that because again, whether it's health or um, you want to consume more or whatever your reasons, um, going half calf is a good way to go. And, and, you know, you can do that on your own, you can mix, but um, it's, it's often better when it's specifically formulated for yeah. that, that half caffeinated experience. Um, that's what we found is because before that, we were mixing like a full calf coffee and then a decaf coffee and they were like kind of completely different flavor profiles. So you're creating this weird blend on your own that didn't really totally mesh. Yeah. Um, yeah. So to have it as a comprehensive thing was cool. Yeah. Um, the other one I want to mention since we're talking about like post roast blending is our rockin' holiday, which is intentionally a post roast blend. So we roast some of the beans lightly and we roast some of them dark and they're different origins. I can't remember which, and then post roast, we put them together, but it's done so well that it's like a, it's like a party in your mouth. It's like uh, you get, you get the high notes and you get the low notes and it's not, I wouldn't say balance is not the word, but it's just, it's like festive. Cohesive. And, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's coming up. That'll be available November 1st, which will be here before we know it. Um, and that's one of my favorites too. Cause I just think it's really fun. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, that's, I'm not just trying to foot stump this cause you're here. I mean, it's a convenient excuse to, to talk about how much I love Larry's, but for me personally, that was one of the things that took the intimidation of coffee out of it was knowing again, that like I could get a good coffee from Larry's and no matter what bag I picked up, I was going to like it. But then within that being able to pick different roasts and blends and stuff and, and experiment further, but always know that like I was never going to waste my money. And so that was yeah. something that was cool for me about Larry's. So we're going to get a little bit more general. What is your favorite part of working at Larry's? I mean, I really, I really, I haven't been at the facility much lately, but for years it was just a joy to go to work um, and go to that warehouse. And, um, you know, some days in the summer it was super hot because we don't like to use air conditioning. Um, but you know, you could smell the coffee. Uh, there was a buzz going on with the, you know, the packaging machines, um, the, you know, the people at Larry's, uh, and, and I've been there, I think I'm, I've been there. I'm the senior person at this point. So, um, and we've had some people transition out recently, but, uh, you know, all the people that have come through, they're just like such a fun and diverse and a lot of, a lot of like, musicians and artists and people that are into, you know, just crazy stuff that you would never think about. You end up having conversations with them. Um, it was, it's just a great community of people. And that facility, um, is, has evolved. Now we have three warehouses. Um, and so the sales team has this awesome loft, uh, kind of above the retail area. Oh, cool. Um, so we, I, you know, I can kind of look down and see, um, I can see the conference room and I can see the roaster and I can see the re I can see customers coming into the retail area. Um, occasionally I'll hear a customer ask a question and they won't know I'm up there. And then I'll like be shouting at them from like, Hey, I heard your, I can answer that. And so that's funny, but, um, you know, it's just, it's such an eclectic, um, fun facility, um, just yeah. the building itself, the physical space. 
Um, and you know, we have tours and people coming through, we have bees, we have an organic gardener who harvests, you know, fruits and vegetables that we can take home. We can bring compost in from our homes, um, and, and utilize all that stuff. So I think that's, it's probably my favorite part. And there's there, you know, I think working with learning about, um, the farming communities and other cultures is the most meaningful part for me uh, of, of working in the coffee industry and specifically with Larry's and co-op coffees um, and the IWCA. Um, it's just so gratifying. I mean, I'm on a, I'm on a WhatsApp, um, you know, chat group with all of the chapters of the IWCA. So I get wow. chat like all hours of the day. I mean, when a hurricane happens or an earthquake or some crisis, like people from all over the world are on that app, just, sending out, you know, good wishes and, and helping empower each other. Um, so that's, that's been really gratifying and meaningful too. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you kind of got into a little bit of something, but not to make this like some bigger thing than it is, I guess. But I think that's one of the really cool things is like, we're kind of living in times where like we can find a lot of reasons that people aren't similar and like kind of divisive times, but like, I think that's one of the cool things about coffee is it's something that we can, that like brings people together and like we can find a common ground. And I think, you know, it's, it's something that a lot of people enjoy is drinking their morning cup of coffee. And so I think the more things that we can find that we have in similar, it, it helps us, you know, enjoy time with people instead of like finding reasons to hate each other. Oh yeah. That's lovely. I mean, just like you said, it's the, it's the most consumed beverage in the world. Um, and and yeah, whether you're learning about other people and or sitting down with somebody that you know and over a cup of coffee and gaining more empathy, um, you know, there are so many stories in the coffee world that have made me uh, just, you know, question my perspectives and realize my privilege. And, you know, it's, it's very, um, it's a very cool uh, community of people to be in. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I think it's cool because coffee is something that you can get as in depth and intricate and complicated with as you want, or it can be very simple. Like you can just buy your coffee pre-ground, stick it in your drip coffee maker and make your morning cup of coffee. Or you can like get all the way down to like choosing, you know, very specific single origins and grinding very like particularly and brewing and controlling the amount of time and all of these things. Like, I think it's cool that you can, that there's this, this thing that you can enjoy across an entire spectrum, like no matter how in depth you want to get with it. Yeah. And we're all, you know, whether, yeah, whether you're buying, you know, Folgers and doing Mr. Coffee or um, more elevated, if you're still part of the coffee community, you're still drinking coffee, you're still supporting coffee farmers. Um, and you can still, you know, have a great conversation over a cup of coffee there, there was, this, um, I think it was like, I was listening to Tom Petty's biography and, um, he went to a diner in the like, middle of America and had what he thought was like the best cup of coffee he'd ever had. Um, and so he asked what kind of brewer, you know, they brew on and he bought one of those and it was in his studio for years. Um, but it was, I mean, it was, just, it was like a commodity coffee brewer. It wasn't anything special, but yeah. what he realized and what a lot of people realized is oftentimes that best cup of coffee that you've ever had, it 
it may be about the quality of coffee and how it's brewed, but it's often about the experience and the context where you're drinking it and the conversation you're having while you're drinking it or what you're thinking about while you're drinking it. Um, so yeah, we're all, we're, we're all a part of that coffee community. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things. I mean, we, we see it with like food and stuff too. Like you'll have that best training session ever or the best race ever. And you're always trying to find what you did from like a nutrition perspective and preparation perspective. So you can always have that feeling. And I think to your point, coffee is the same way. I mean, you got into it earlier talking about how different things taste good at different times of day or in different weather and stuff like that. And like, I mean, we'll take a certain cup or a certain type of coffee, uh, to when we go camping and it tastes amazing. It's the best cup of coffee I've ever had in the cold, but you bring it home and you do it in the warmth of your own home and it tastes different. It's not as good. Yep. And so just like, I, I think the cool thing is you can always experiment. You can always do different things and enjoy it in different ways. So to kind of wrap things up, I always like at the end of each episode to ask our guests what they think are two to three things people can do to improve their health and performance. But this week I want to take a little bit different spin. What are two to three things? I mean, you talked about some of them, but to kind of wrap things up, what are two to three things people can do to just improve their coffee experience kind of easily? Um, cool. Well, I am going to use my mindfulness uh, example because I think that improves your coffee experience, but it just improves your experience in life. Um, and it, it probably would help your health, nutrition, performance also. Um, So, you know, I think just being thoughtful about what you're buying, um, where you're buying it from, how you brew it, and then how you experience it um, is is super important. Um, And then I also mentioned this, but, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to somebody that knows about coffee, to your local coffee roaster, to somebody, um, a friend or a a worker at a grocery store, um, and ask questions. I mean, I think we're all, um, a little starved for human interpersonal, inner, interpersonal interaction. Yeah. Uh, and so people, you know, want to talk about the things that they love and, um, that they, you know, bring them joy in life. And so asking a question will just start that conversation. Um, And so I think that would elevate, you know, not only get your questions answered and technical stuff um, addressed, but also improve, you know, just quality of life for you and the person that you interact with. Yeah, I really like that. This has been incredible. Thank you so much for coming on. I also want to point out that this, if you are listening to this episode, it was released on International Coffee Day, which is just such a perfect, I want to say it's a coincidence, but it's not a coincidence. It took a lot of planning to make this happen. So thank you, Lee, so much for being a part of that and making that happen. Uh, and thank you for sharing all of your knowledge and expertise and your passion with us. Oh, you're welcome. And, you know, uh, coffee day is one of my favorite holidays, obviously. Um, so thank you for inviting me and um, letting me talk about coffee. It's one of my favorite things. And it's been a joy to, to chat with you. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime, anytime you want to talk about coffee, I'm here. <laughs> okay. um, and I do yeah, recipes. Yeah, definitely. And I want to remind everybody that we do have our athletes brew coffee, which is coffee made by Larry's coffee for us. Um, so we have that available. It's on our website. 
theenduranceedge.com. You can order it there. And it's also on thefuelingedge.com, which is our meal service. Um, so you can pick it up with your meals uh, if you're already doing that anyways. And then we also have it, we got some special coffee cups made that kind of match the design and theme of the bags for the athletes brew. Uh, so you can get your coffee and a mug at the same time on our website as well. So definitely go check those out. Um, we're super appreciative to have this partnership with Larry's. So please support them. Even if you don't buy athletes brew, buy one of the other coffees because you won't regret it. It's incredible coffee. Thank you so much for your time. Talk to you soon. All right. Thanks. Take care, everybody.